Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week we're really lucky to have Dr. Mike Smith as our guest. Dr. Mike Smith was in the US Air Force for 26 years, uh, but now currently is the CEO of John Matone Global and Intelligent Leadership Coaching International. He's also an amazing guy with an amazing history and an amazing career. There's so much to learn from him. He's got a PhD in industrial and organizational psychology. He's got a lot of different experiences, so I hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Enjoy and have a magical week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. As you may have been able to tell by the title, we do have a guest, which has been awesome. We've been getting a couple guests recently, and it's so exciting to have this one on, and we'll get to them shortly. But first, let's check in with some of our regulars and see how they're going. So, Graham, how are you going this week? Yes, I'm exceptionally well, thank you. Uh, I'm at home, been at home most of the week. Still rainy, so, you know, life is soggy, but it's green out there and the birds are still singing. Um, so, yeah, I'm fantastic. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Hopefully the rain clears up soon for you there. Um, Danette, how are you going this week? Yeah, really good, Jez. Um, I'm actually in New Zealand this week. So I'm in Wellington and have had a fabulous week. And it was supposed to rain all week. It didn't. and But there has been a bit of snow, apparently. But other than that, awesome. So fly home tonight. Very good, very good. And uh, straight back into rain, it sounds like, when you get back in. So that'll be good. Um, and uh, Dr. Mike, how have you been this week? Very, very good, Jess. Thank you so much. It's been uh, <clears throat> cooling down here in Las Vegas. So the weather's getting really beautiful this time of year. Not quite as cold or rainy as y'all have. But it, it's been really nice. The, the days are nice and I've been doing great. So thank you very much for asking. And thank you so much for having me. This is an amazing opportunity. Thanks That's... for being thanks for being had, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so, so as uh, you just heard, that is the voice of Dr. Mike Smith, who uh, is our guest today and someone we're very happy to have on. We're so excited to have you on, Dr. Mike. Uh, so, Dr. Mike, for people that may not know too much about you, what who who are you? <laughs> Well, yeah, so thanks. Yeah, that's a really, really intriguing question. And Graham and Danette both have known me for a little bit. Um, so just to kind of summarize it, I, I did 26 years in, in the Air Force right out of high school. I joined the military. So it was just another normal summer off. My parents didn't want to give me a whole lot of time to get into shenanigans or buffoonery. So off to the military, I went right out of high school, did 26 years and um, had a lot of amazing jobs, went to a lot of great locations. Uh, my final three years in the military, I was the first sergeant basically in charge of all of the enlisted for the Air Force Thunderbirds, the Air Demonstration Squadron. So got to fly the world, do the air shows, and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, transitioned from that to become a, a senior corporate leader in a Berkshire Hathaway company, where I had the privilege of working for uh, Warren Buffett and Greg Abel for about 10 years. And again, just another amazing, amazing opportunity uh, to get to meet with them in person, you know, twice a year, and then just learn from everyone else that, that was around me and our brother and sister companies and the people I worked with. It was just great. Um, and then after about 10 years, so it would have been 2017, uh, I just kind of hit that wall, right, where you feel like you're just not doing what you were put on the earth to do, not making a difference. Um, <clears throat> so with that feeling growing and growing, I came home and, you know, one day told my beautiful wife that I was thinking about walking away from my corporate job where I had the title and the steady paycheck to start my own gig where I had nothing. Um, and so after five nights of sleeping on the couch, 
No, she didn't. No. Um, but after after a while, and just her starting to see just the the passion in me, and just just the internal anxiety of not being fulfilled and not stepping into who I was called to become. She said, "All right, dude, yeah, you got to do it because you're really getting on my nerves, and I can tell you're not happy." Um, so with that, off I went. Um, did my own thing for a while. Met John um, Matone in 2018. Got certified as an intelligent leadership coach. Um, a couple of years later, he brought me on as his CEO of the company, and that's kind of where I am now, CEO of John Matone Global. Beautiful, and what a great journey! Thanks for sharing that, Doctor Mike. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're excited to hear about some of the lessons you learned from that. Uh, journey today. Uh, so today we're talking about why developing ourselves as leaders is so important. And we're so happy to have you on to talk about this. There's so much experience there. You also just a great guy, it seems like from the chats we've been having. I'm loving this. Oh, thank uh, you. Thank so, you. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, I might start with Graham, actually. Graham, what's your question and why did you ask it? Thanks, Jess. Uh, so Doc, my, my question it's probably more driven by rather than getting into leadership and some of the strategies and tactics and that that we often share with people around how to become better leaders. Um, there's often a um, it, it's like there's there's nuggets of wisdom in things that might seem every every day or commonplace. So that makes sense. Anyway, so the question was, what's the best advice you've ever received or you've ever heard um, about becoming a better leader? So that's a really good question, Graham, and thank you very much. And <clears throat> the answer I'm going to give probably sounds a little cliche because I know that we've all probably heard it before, but it's really more about the meaning behind it, right? So probably the best advice that I ever heard was always ask the why, right? You know, Simon Sinek wrote a book, Start With Why. Yep, yep. You know, there's all kinds of books out there, Find Your Why, Ask Why. But for me, it's always been asking the why. So as cliche as that sounds, right, and as much as that's been heard, to me, the deeper meaning of asking the why is to get clarity on anything that you're doing and to attach with it, connect with it at a deeper emotional level, right? <clears throat> For me to say ask the why and just kind of leave it there is kind of really surface level. And yeah, yep. I don't know how many times all of you have heard this, but when we sometimes when we ask people the why, we get that general society kind of accepted answer that feels good. It makes sense. So we hear it, thumbs up and we're off. Right. But to go to a deeper level that why, like, why does what I'm getting ready to do? I'm thinking about make a difference. Like, why does it even matter? Why am I doing it? And what's the spinoff it's going to have on my employees, my yep. team, yep. my P and L, my family, my community, right? What's the collateral damage or the collateral benefit? right? What's the bigger why? So to really, really, truly dive into a why and not just stop at the surface level to me has been the best piece of advice that I've ever heard. It's kind of like a, a root cause analysis. Have yep. you guys ever done those or seen yep. those, right? So yep. root cause analysis, it's really, really easy to put that team together, start the root cause analysis. The first thing, most obvious thing that happened in the event is what you list down as the root cause everyone's good and you're off and running. But then there's so many more layers that are left unanswered, yeah. right? That could potentially change and shift the whole direction of process and process improvement, continuous improvement and all that kind of stuff. So to me, it's asking the why, but to a true deeper digging kind of a level.
Nice. Thank you. I really like that. Um, <laughs> we could be here forever. Just some parallels. So, and I, I love the the depth thing. Um, and and get, I get that 100% because I've certainly been you know, stages of my life where I've just gone to that first level and then you hit something. And, and I think part of that is because we are so um, focused on doing. Right. And, and getting you know, deeper into the why question requires us to stop doing and sometimes just, you know, sort of be and sit with, well, I'm not really sure yet, so maybe I should stay with the question a bit longer. Um, it reminded me of a question in uh, what was the book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Uh, I don't know if you've read it, it's an amazing book. Um, but the, the yogi was talking about learning from another um, spiritual master who asked himself the question every day, who am I? And again, you know, surface level, well, oh, Graham Gersten, but but then you go a little bit deep, but who uh, and and you know he said that was the best thing he'd ever done. The most important question for him in life was who am I? So I, I love that. Why? Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and and just one more thing, real quick. You are so right. I mean, we're just so accustomed to, especially if you think about everything that's going on out there right now, right in the world, right? The daily yeah. grind, the ops tempo, the confusion, the fast pace, the technology, you know, the AI, everything that's coming involving. It truly does take intent, focus, and yep. purpose to stop and then ask the why. But when we ask the why of, again, right, the long-term benefits or even short-term gain, right, that's when we get the clarity on what we're doing. And that will give us the fuel and the fire to push through, even though, like you said, it's kind of like taking a break, stopping the car. And we're just not accustomed to that nowadays. Yeah, yeah, very true. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I might just stay on this just quickly for a quick second, Doc. I know that you've um, you, your career has transitioned into totally different areas. You've maybe got one of the most diverse careers I've uh, we've heard of on this podcast for sure. So many different areas. Was was many of those tra transitions made because of a why factor, would you say, or was it for different reasons? So it, it's kind of funny, right? I now looking back, I couldn't have planned it any better because I'm not that smart. Like I couldn't, you know, I can't see ahead that well, <clears throat> but, you know, basically in the military, right. Again, I hit that 26 year mark and I just made a decision. Like my options were very limited. The higher you go up in rank, the choices you have to what you want to do and where do you want to be get kind of more narrow in scope. So I knew that if I stayed in, you know, me and my wife and my family would have to go to a place that we really weren't that comfortable with. Um, so I rolled the dice on getting out. And luckily I had a mentor in the squadron I was at is the one that told me to put my application in at Berkshire Hathaway. He said, hey, they're looking for a military that's getting retired. Why don't you just throw your name in the hat and see what happened? I was like, okay, right? Because that's me kind of, okay, right? I didn't ask myself the why, I just kind of did it because I know I didn't want to go to where they were going to send me. So after the 10 years there, again, that time it was really more of, just that internal feeling, right? That struggle, that anxiety. And all I knew is I didn't want to do that anymore. My job had evolved into something that was kind of against my core and against what I really like to do and I'm passionate about. And once it hit that point, I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. But once again, just like before, I didn't have a plan. I just kind of had the framework. I was like, well, that, that sounds good. I, I guess I'll go do that, right? And just kind of, again, rolled the dice and stepped out on faith. Um, and belief 
and it's worked out pretty well. But I don't know if that answers your question or not, but that's it was just kind of things were sort of forced on me that I chose not to deal with or accept. Mm. I mean, I think that is, you were right though. That is kind of about, it's a different kind of why, but you were choosing it for internal reasons, you know? So I think it's a mm -hmm. great, a great example. So thanks so much for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I might jump on to uh, Alan's question quickly, which is what we often don't know. We often don't know what we don't know. How do we discover the areas we need to grow as a leader? Okay. So you're ready for this one. <laughs> I love this one. Right. Um, and I know that you've all experienced it. this one is actually probably the simplest answer that I could give, but it's not easy. Right. So the simplest answer to finding out what you need to know to grow is to ask, ask stakeholders, ask your boss, right? Ask leaders, ask mentors, ask your family. But you know the old cliche saying, right? Don't ask a question you don't want to know the answer to, right? So if you're truly, so here's another thing. If you're truly seeking to get better and improve and you honestly want to know what you're doing good at, your strengths, where you're not doing so good at your gaps, right? You have to be vulnerable enough and open enough to accept that feedback, right? Once you've accepted it, then you can decide what you want to do with it, right? But to actually have the vulnerability and the courage to ask the question, right? Get the answer and then analyze it and either choose to act or not act on it. Again, that's probably the simplest answer, not easy, but by far the most effective way to grow as a leader, right? Because there's, again, there's so many books out there, right? There's so many philosophies, there's so many different things you can turn to, online programs, websites. But at the end of the day, kind of like our coaching philosophy in IO, it's got to be customized, tailored, and unique to you as an individual, right? And who's in a better position to give you that feedback other than those you spend 50, 60, 70 hours a week with at work, right? They see you all the time. They see you on your ups, on your downs, when you're having coffee in the cafeteria and staff meetings, they know you as a leader, right? So that's really, again, it takes courage and vulnerability, but that is the most direct path to improvement. Yeah, I love that. And it's such a, it's a very well articulated way of showing how vulnerability can be the main growing source for people. That's such a good one. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I might throw it to Danette because I think Danette's question is kind of in a similar vein. So Danette, tell us about your question and maybe why you chose it as well. I, I think sometimes, and this is why I chose it, I think sometimes people don't hear the word leader and don't think of themselves as leaders, but mm -hmm. because I think they put it as like the CEO of organisations, et cetera, but people can be leaders in a whole stack of different areas. Mm -hmm. So my question, I have sort of two parts, but I'll start with the first one is, what are some of the things that stop people from developing themselves as leaders? <clears throat> so if I had to if I had to just share from my personal experience of growing up through the ranks and then also coaching now, I think there's really two things, right? I think the first thing is kind of feeling overwhelmed and not knowing exactly what to focus on to give you the best bang for your buck. Does that make sense? Because again, there's totally. so many, when you talk about, you know, leadership development, right? You talk about communication, emotional leadership talent leadership, critical thinking, 
strategic thinking, team leadership, recruitment, retail. I mean, there's just so many things that you can focus on, right? Yep. And that's overwhelming, right? So in order to organize the overwhelm, I think that's the biggest thing that probably holds people up the first hurdle. And then the second thing is, I think if we do get to a point where you take that honest look at yourself and ask the why, right? Okay, I know that I could get a whole lot better in staff meetings and doing presentations because my message obviously isn't always clear, right? Then the second part her would be is, okay, so how do I go about doing that? Like what specific path would be best for me to become a better communicator? So I think those two things, it's just kind of the fear of the unknown yep. coupled with the overwhelm and the not knowing how to get clarity and focus on the things that are going to like propel you yep. to that next level of a leader. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then my follow-up to that is, so what are some things, simple things that people can do to start to move towards being a leader, even if they don't really see themselves as a leader yet? So I, I think probably the first and most effective, and this kind of goes back to what we just talked about, right? Asking for that feedback, yep. right? If you're a leader and you're right, there's so many different types of leaders, right? You can be a, a formal leader by title, right? Uh, which is the authority leader. You can even be an informal leader, right? You don't have the title, but just because of your influence, your charisma, your passion, your technical skills, your abilities, right? People look to you, even if you're a frontline employee, people look to you like that's the go-to person. Like if we need to figure out how to get something done, it's them. That's a leader, right? Um, so I, I think what can be done to change that is, to me, it's really about education, right? And awareness as to number one, what, what is a leader? When we say leader, what does it even really mean? How do we define that, right? It's not just C-suite or VP level, right? So I think that's the first piece is just that education and awareness around what a leader is. The second piece, and I think which is probably more important, is how do leaders at different levels add value and contribute to the organizational vision, mission, purpose, values, their team, their coworkers, right? So I think between those two things, if, if we could just really get people to see and then step into where they are with the intent to grow, contribute, add value, I think that would squash this whole thing and just make it something people want to do because now they know, right? They're connected with it. Nice. Thanks so much, Doc. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Doc, sorry, Doc, can I just um, jump in for a sec? Um, how much of, of all of this do you think, it sort of, it, it feels like all of this conversation around leadership and you know, Al's question about how do we know what we don't know, or how do we find out? You know, how do we discover the areas where we need to grow? And, and Danette's question about what stops us from becoming a leader, how do we address that? It feels like all of that's just wrapped up in why. Because if I don't have a why, I'm, I'm really not going to care that much about wanting to learn more. I'm not going to care about what's stopping me. I'm not going to ask questions and I'm not going to seek feedback. Or perhaps maybe the other way around is if I'm clearer on my why, that's the, the motivation that will prompt me to ask for feedback, to ask for help. Yes. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think just to kind of add to that, when you talk about the why, um, which that's what we do as coaches, right? As, yep. as we help in that, that whole process. But I think something that's also critical and crucial to remember 
when we're talking about our why is, you know, with ourselves, when we're in the room, it's just us, no one else around, is to be genuine, authentic, honest, and look at this from a perspective of objective reality and not delusion. Delusion meaning, well, psh, I mean, it's so easy for us to say, right? Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually not that bad of a leader, so I, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. Okay, true. You may be a pretty awesome leader, but all the great leaders will be the first ones to admit, yeah, I'm pretty awesome, but you know what? I can do a lot better. Yeah. Like there's areas I can grow in. So I think for us to look at things through the lens of objective reality, right? Honesty, genuine, authentic versus the delusion, I think that will help us even connect more again, like I said, to that true why, not just a surface level. Oh, dude, made me feel so good to give that answer, right? We're, we're not talking about that, right? We're going down, yep. which to your point, I think it, this all could totally be summed up by the why being the first step, your core purpose, right? Your calling, why are you even on this earth? What kind yep. of legacy do you want to leave? Like, and again, it's, it's to your point of Sometimes I think we find that difficult and challenging because that does cause you to stop, mm. to pause, introspection, and look at things that you might not really want to see, maybe, or you might be scared of. Like you, some people are maybe scared of their potential. Like yep. they know that it's in them to do so much more, but along with that, so much more comes yep. increased responsibility, increased visibility, yep. right? More hours, more education, more relationships, more, more, more. So that could frighten some people and, and put a cap on their their introspection. Yeah. Yeah. What if I fail? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This is good discussion. Thank you all so much for I'm having fun. <laughs> no, it's Likewise. Great. Yeah, it's great. It's great uh, hearing all your answers to these. It's also, it's fascinating because it's all starting to like come together in a sort of cool way. So I'm loving that. Um, well, I, I might jump to my, I've got a kind of two-parter as well. So I might start with the first one and then we can get into the second one. For me, I just wanted to know what to you make someone a great leader? So I think at a high level, there's kind of two key elements that I've seen sort of across the board that contribute to making someone just like an awesome, amazing, great leader. The first one is that aspect of vulnerability, Right. I can't, and, and I mean vulnerability in the contextual way of what we're talking about here, right? I can't tell you, and I think I may have shared this story before, but I can't tell you how many times I've been to a workshop, a seminar, and we get to this topic of vulnerability, right? And I ask the audience, I mean, anything from 25 up to 500. So when I say the word vulnerable, what does that mean to you? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And without missing a beat, everyone, weakness, right? Like almost the whole audience, right? But vulnerability is actually a very courageous, wise, and mature decision, right? Vulnerability is a decision and a choice, right? And what it does is it allows you to open up enough to do that introspection, the awareness, receive feedback, be compassionate, be strong, embrace your strengths, embrace your gaps, right? All that stuff. That's what vulnerability really is. It, it's, it's by no means weakness. Um, so I think that's, that's the first thing in a great leader is just that ability to be vulnerable and to use it appropriately and effectively. The second thing I've seen from almost every great leader that I've worked for and 
coached and talked to is just that ability that, and, and sometimes I'm absolutely blown away by, you know, the IQ of some of these people and the EQ, but even more so is just their ability, like to read things and then pivot, course correct, stay flexible. Like, I mean, they're just so nimble and agile. And when you're nimble, agile, flexible, can course correct, like nothing, nothing ruffles your feathers. Like you just don't, right? I mean, I mean, you just boom, like you're over here and oh, something happened. This isn't going to work out. Boom. Okay, no sweat. We just, right? So just that ability to not only read that stuff because you're being vigilant as a leader, right? But then to be able to act on it and inspire your people enough to do the same. Like to me, that is just such an amazing gift when you can like almost literally like an $8 billion company on the drop of a dime as a CEO, you're like, now, you know what? I think we need to do this and you have the courage and the commitment to go, right? So just not staying stuck in that, in those guardrails all the time, right? Guardrails are important, but when they start to inhibit instead of support and allow you to evolve, you know, that's when you kind of need to see the writing on the wall because I think we can all agree with everything we've seen today one of the most guaranteed things in life is change, right? It's inevitable. And there's really only two things you can do with change, right? You can change before you need to, or you can change because you have to, right? Before you need to, innovation, critical thinking, looking down the road, goals, vision. Because you have to, hesitate, resist, not pay attention, not be aware. Now you're forced into a corner where like you got no choice. And there's definitely different levels of comfort associated with changing before you need to or because you have to, right? I know that's kind of a, a long answer, but I, I think that that sums it up pretty well. And I, I hope I hope I answered it for you. Yeah, yeah. I think also for me, like I'm, I'm a couple of key words that I'm taking down are like honesty, vulnerability, agility. And I do see all of them kind of connected. I think that's what you're sort of talking about a little bit with that going forward. I think being vulnerable and being, you know, courageous is sort of being ahead of the game a little bit. And that makes you agile. So it's, it's great. I feel like I'm learning like these really cool, deep concepts from this. So thanks so much. Nice. Um, <laughs> I might jump to a second question here, which is, are there any habits that you see across a lot of great leaders in sort of different areas? So I, I think one of the most important habits that all great leaders have, right, um, is just the habit of self-care, right? Realizing that you can only give as good of you as you prepare to give, right? So the ability, like you, you mentioned earlier, Graham, like that ability just to stop and detach, like don't be afraid when you go on vacation with the family to check your mail once a day at six in the morning for 10 minutes, once at night at 8 p.m. for 10 minutes. And that's it. Like the rest of the time you're with the family, you're doing stuff, you're swimming, you're whatever, right? So self-care journaling, right? Working out, meditation going for a walk, like whatever your thing is, making sure you have date nights, right? With your wife, your spouse, your significant other, whoever, friends, right? But just that self-care, right? And along with self-care also goes self-development, right? That desire to learn more. So you're more well-equipped up here to deal with your job and with things that come at you. So I think the, the, the most effective, efficient, impactful habit 
that great leaders have is just that aspect of self-care, you know, which obviously encompasses a lot, but that that's huge. I mean, that is, that, that's so huge because, you know, you don't do anyone good if you're just trying to crush it for a hundred hours a week, you go home to your family and you're not there for them. So now you're miserable at home and then you carry that back in there with you. And now you're doing another hundred hours and you're just irritable and not happy. And it's just, it can spiral really quick. So just that self-care is huge. Awesome. Love that. Great, great answer. Thanks, Dr. Mike. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Doc, yeah. Oh, sorry, I just want to jump in on the, the crush it thing because it's been, it, it's almost like a a benchmark that, that our ego sets. And like for the last sort of five or 10 years, I've just noticed, you know, there have been books written about it and, and people have, it's almost like we started celebrating um, doing the 100 hour insanity thing. Uh, I remember reading an interview with a, a young lady who was an up-and-coming um, business owner in the tech space in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And her, her mantra literally was just work harder than everybody else. That's how we succeed, um, which is just not sustainable right. at all. Um, so I, I, I like that, uh, you know, the self-care thing, I think, because that's something that we talk about a lot as well. It's being so important. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and, and there are times, I mean, one of the things that you have to do as a great leader is embrace those times when you do have to work harder than everyone yep. else. Yeah. But to your point, should never be your crutch and what you rely on and your tagline, right? It's just like, you know, if you just look at, you know, the evolution, we'll just say auto mechanics, right? You know, back in the day, first start out, you had a little hand jack, right? That you had to turn to raise a part of a car. Yep. Then you had the, forgive me if I mess up these terms because I'm obviously not an auto mechanic. Not yet. A pneumatic, a pneumatic jack, right? Where you pump it, yep. you got the handle and now that raises it up to now where you push a switch and then the whole car goes up on a lift. Yep. So you can crush it by still pulling out that old hand crank jack, right? That That's crushing it. Or you can crush it by using the lift. That That's self-care, the second one, right? being smarter about working harder. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, thanks so much, Dr. Mike, for the chat today. It's been so good. I feel like I've picked up so much. So thank you so much. I've noticed that Kanika and John's questions are kind of in a similar vein. So I might um, just kind of use them because they're both sort of around the same idea. And mm -hmm. that is basically outside of a business setting, how do skills as a leader translate into more everyday life? Yeah. So, so that's a really good question. And when it comes to, I think, just the topic of leadership, right? Let's set aside professional and personal for a minute, right? So just the spillover and having that attitude of being a leader, um, I, I think that just applies to every area of life sort of naturally. When you look at the characteristics and traits of a good leader, right? Heart, compassion, communication, thought, empathy, right? talent, engagement, presence, visibility, right? All those same things are stuff that are essential to having good, healthy relationships in your personal life as well. I mean, we do that with our family. We do that with like social organizations, right? Church, a bowling league, the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, like whatever it is, being involved with high school, right? Teams, if our kids are in sports or if we play in adult leagues, right? All those same kind of characteristics and traits and elements 
will take you just as far in personal life as they do in professional, right? They're all extremely valuable. And, and I, would, I would venture to say that really true, great, effective leaders don't separate the two, right? There's not a switch. Like when you leave the office, like, you know, Mr. Rogers, I don't know if I'm dating myself for that show, but he would come in from the street, change his shoes, change his sweater, right? Before he'd go home, put the jacket back on, change his shoes, right? That's not what we do as leaders, right? When you grow into and step into and embrace that person that you are, that stuff follows you 24 seven, right? Kind of by default almost, but you got to get there first and fine tune it and continue to grow and be intentional about it every single day. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Mike. I love that. And that's such a great way to look at it. It's not a separated by different things. It is a, a way of sort of being. So I love that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I might um, throw to Graham just so first of all Dr. Mike thank you so much for the chat it's been so fun um, I'm just going to grab some final thoughts from the team here so Graham any final thoughts on why developing ourselves as leader is so important today or just the general chat that we've been having as well uh, yeah thanks Jez Doc, again yeah, there are so many so many things that we could um, tease out a little further but I, and this sort of goes back to Danette's question earlier and um, something we've been, well, I've certainly been you know, thinking about for a long time, uh, and that, that is this idea that that leadership is not, um, firstly, it's not something we do. Um, you know, a leader is something we are, and and behaviour comes out of that. But the idea is that you don't have to have followers to be a leader, because if if we go back and look at the the traditional particularly organizational concept of a leader. And we still use right. terms today, you know, we have a leadership team within organizations. And the challenge I think with that is that the people who are not in the leadership team look at the leadership team and think, well, they're the leaders I don't need to be. So, you know, I wonder whether, and I'd love to get your thoughts on how do we shift um, the conversation around leadership to get people to start seriously thinking about the idea that they yeah, part of their responsibility on planet Earth is just to be a leader of themselves. And if they start there, and I, and I think it goes back to Jess's question about, you know, and the comments you made before about putting one hat on at work and a different hat on at home, but it doesn't work that way. You know, when you decide to sort of step into being a leader, it's, it's a life thing. So it just goes with you everywhere. But mm -hmm. I'd love to get your thoughts on, can you be a leader without having people following you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It kind of goes back to one of the things that we touched on earlier. Um, that's really the informal leader, right? And even individual contributors at the front line can be informal leaders, right? And, and I think a big part of that, first of all, is educating and awareness around that and not continuing to stick to the stigma of, unless you're called a manager, unless you're called an executive or above, right? You're really not so I think kind of breaking the stigma around that and the education and awareness piece, I think is so critical because I'll give you an example. Like when we were at, when I was at Berkshire Hathaway as a senior corporate safety director, um, you know, and it was a utility industry. So it's a dangerous job, right? Lineman, right? That's the second most dangerous job behind arborists or tree trimmers, right? So, you know, one of the things that I quickly did as, as the senior leader in that area I took the time to show up to their staff meetings, right? Kind of invited myself. Of course, I made sure it was okay with the supervision, but showed up, 
And through the course of the staff meetings and doing field visits, I would identify that one, you know, guy or gal, right? Younger, frontline, that was just the go-getter, right? Organized, safe, technically competent, capable, charisma, like all the stuff we talked about before. And then I would kind of go to their leadership and say, hey, you know what? I was out in the field and I've been watching for a couple of days. I noticed that, you know, Shannon, she is like absolutely amazing. Is it okay with you if I bring her onto the safety committee? Right. So, and there was a, a high level kind of a committee, right? Again, weren't necessarily a leader, but so that sort of thing too, right? Recognizing people for their leadership abilities, skills, and talents, and then putting them in a position where they can kind of exercise that and have the space to grow it. Right. So those are, those are some ways that us as, as titled leaders, right? Positional can help raise up the next generation and even get them into that headspace where they are. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Thank you. Thank you. Another great insight. Thanks for that, Dr. Mike. That was awesome. Um, I'll throw to Danette now. Danette, what are your final thoughts on why developing ourselves as leaders is so important today or just any thoughts from the chat? And, and Dr. Mike, just your last comments worked straight into what I was going to talk about, which is I've been reading a lot about diversity and inclusion, and mm -hmm. there are many people who have no role models in terms of a leader that looks and sounds exactly you know, like they do. And so I loved that example you just provided of Shannon, you know, giving them the opportunity to be able to go up into a committee to start to build those skills. Um, and I think that's something... And I'd love to hear your insights too, but I think that's something we as leaders can do to help others see themselves as leaders if they're not, you know, they're not thinking that way originally. They just think they're doing their job for argument's sake, but they are going above and beyond. Right, right. So, so I think that's a really good point, especially with, you know, um, just the diverse workforce that we have. Now, it's, it's, it's extremely important to consider the totality of your workforce, right? Not just what position they're in, but who they are. What makes them tick? What are their goals, their aspirations, their strengths, right? So once we know all that kind of stuff, it's it's really more about that point than leveraging them. And like you said, giving them the opportunities to become a leader where they are, right? And, and we as leaders, like one of the things I'm not advocating, right, is creating committees and action teams just for the sake of creating them, right? But if you see an opportunity as a leader, where those kinds of people working together outside of their assigned departments can collectively provide some serious value, then, then do it, right? Why not? And that's, that's another thing about being a leader. Like in order to even do that, we have to know our people, right? Like we have to get out there. We have to know the people. We have to take the time and be intentional and legit about it, right? It's not just going through the motion, like, I want to get to know you because I really do want to get to know you. Like I care. You're not just, you know, an employee ID number, right? You're a Graham, you're Danette, you're yep. Jez, you're people, right? And I just want to get to know you, see how I can help, how we can benefit each other, how we can partner, collaborate, right? Does that answer your question? Yes. And what a great display of leadership just in that answer. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. So Oh, yeah. Sorry, Jess, I was going to say, Doc, it, it reminded me of, um, and I, I can't remember who uh, who said it, someone way smarter than me, but um, 
one of the primary responsibilities of leaders is to grow more leaders around them. And I think that's also a really good example of that. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Always help to groom your replacement to leave, leave your organization better than when you took it over. Right. Absolutely. Nice. Um, Dr. Mike, I might just get uh, any final thoughts you've got uh, on why developing ourselves as leaders is so important today, um, just to sort of put a bow on the conversation. So I, I think to, to kind of wrap it all up, leadership to me is um, a responsibility and a duty, right? It's not something that once we step into it, we should have a sense of entitlement, right? It's, it's like a duty. It's an obligation. It's a commitment to not only the organization, but also the people in the community that we serve, right? Regardless of what we do, we're serving the community in some way, whether it's, you know, hospitality or food or construction or utility or manufacturing, whatever it is, right? So I think to take that duty, right, that obligation seriously and step into it in every way is what really is going to make us an inspirational leader, right? Something where you don't have to do the motivation thing all the time. You don't have to try and course. You don't have to try and sell yourself. Like because of the inspirational type of legacy you've created, people just want to show up. Like they, they just do and they want to be there and they'll perform because they want to be part of that bigger thing. Awesome. Well, thank That's you. That's my so story, much. and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nice. Love it. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Dr. Mike, today. It's been a great chat. I've learned so much, and uh, it's been great to have you on. Um, to everybody that's listening at home, thank you so much for your shared listening and sharing it and stuff. It's been great. Uh, we've been seeing some great numbers. And uh, to everybody, have a magical week. <laughs>